Hey, this is Krista, and welcome to Kratom Sobriety. And I'm Charlie, and this is episode 15. And we just did the interview for today is with Natalie. Natalie struggled with Kratom addiction for about seven years, and then about a year before she quit, she made several lifestyle changes that finally worked for her. And she's maintaining, I believe, about 135 days of Kratom free at the time of the interview. Today, we're going to talk about cold turkey versus tapering. But before we do that, I thought we could read some new reviews that we received. The first review is from a Paolo client, and it says, Quitting K, thanks for your service. I'm a 61-year-old father and grandfather that's quit oxy, booze, and tobacco in the past. Now it's time to quit K. All right. And the second review, this is funny. This I love this username. It's Cray Dumb. And it's from 729 and it's entitled Amazing. And it says, so many good people are silently suffering with Kratom. I felt stupid for getting hooked. Thought I was the only one. They said it wasn't addictive. Slowly dulled everything in my life. So slow, I didn't realize it. So slow, it doesn't create obvious problems to anyone else. Just internal struggle and depression. It's so sneaky. But it is a problem. And we have to talk about it. This podcast is a lifesaver. Thank you so much for letting me know I'm not alone. Thank you. So we hadn't gotten any reviews for months. And then, Krista, you start hosting. <laughs> and I, I know correlation isn't causation, but I don't know. That's a pretty good signal that people like you. I like to hear that. That's a good thing. <laughs> Something that's controversial in the quitting Kratom community is should you cold turkey or should you taper? People have strong opinions about either way. And we're going to explore both options. And it's going to be a little bit of an experiment. We don't have a script. We're going to see if we can have an intelligent discussion and for it to seem articulate while natural. So please bear with us. Cold turkey, three, three reasons. It's simple, so it's easy to follow. Second, you don't have any kratom in the house. And three, you should be able to get over your withdrawal symptoms quicker. One of the challenges is Kratom actually is a substance that you should be able to, if you have discipline, taper and be able to meter down your doses. But many people find that challenging, which... Yeah, I, I definitely am a cold turkey person. That was how I did it. I'm not the type that could do a taper. I can't really moderate it. That was pretty much the whole problem. But I can see the benefits to a taper, um, you know, I mean, it, it significantly would reduce withdrawal symptoms. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so your system is not going to be so shocked. Like I felt like it was, um, I think it would make the quitting process easier in the way that the withdrawal symptoms would not be as much, but then, you know, you've got to handle the whole moderation of the taper problem. So it, a lot of taper plans, when I see them, that some of them are very complex. One worry is that it's it prolongs things. I definitely recommend doing a, a rapid taper. Even if you're going to do cold turkey, don't go from your extreme highs to zero like overnight. But many people can't even do that. Do like a step down like over a weekend. It can be less of a shock to your system. Right. Uh, you know what I was thinking too just now is I remember one of the things that was on my mind when I was going to quit 
was like, how am I going to function at work? Like, how am I going to function and this and that? So that I think would be like a benefit for a taper. You would probably, I think it would be like less disruptive and shocking to your daily routine. You could function. Yeah. Tapering is attractive if you have a lot of obligations. And I mean, the key to a taper from my understanding is always stay at the same dose that you're at previously or go lower. You don't want to ever want to go back up. But at the same time, if you do have one day where you go back up, that doesn't mean you have to abandon your taper and go on a binge. I mean, one of the issues with cold turkey, at least in my with my behavior, I found that it encouraged me to do binges. Like, so I would like do way too, way more kratom today because tomorrow I quit. So no matter what, whatever you choose to do, avoid that. One of the things, one of the disadvantages of cold turkey, I think, is people dispose of their kratom and then it's really demoralizing then when you go back out to the kratom store or online when you have that urge you're not ordering online and waiting three days for the kratom to come i think another thing about tapering is you know it would give you the chance to adjust to like new things i think like maybe if you were seeking like if you were making lifestyle changes like diet and exercise and things like that, like especially exercise, maybe like it would be hard to do cold turkey and then jump into an exercise routine. I mean, that's obviously not going to happen. But if you were doing a taper, you could maybe incorporate like other, you know, coping mechanisms or lifestyle changes into your life while you reduce, you know, Kratom. So I think that's another benefit of tapering that you can consider if, if you can manage it. And start your supplements ahead of time and then start your tapering step down process. So when you do get down to zero, there's it's less of drop and then you already have these good habits and then your supplements should be kicking in then. There is a difference between powder versus extracts. I find in general, extract users often uh, are more prone to do cold turkey and powder users, on the other hand, tend to be more tapering. Not always. I've heard some advice from people who use extracts to switch to powder. I've also heard anecdotally that sometimes that you'd think, even though extract shots are more powerful, that it's actually, there's more withdrawals from powder use. I don't know if it's because you have more alkaloids in those products. I'm leery of telling people who are extract users to switch to powder, but I've heard that uh, powder quit can have more withdrawals. One tapering advice that I've heard that I think is really good, it would be better to switch to smaller doses more frequently so mm -hmm. that it gets rid of that highs and lows. And then like, even if like you're up to in, this would work with powder, but it also work with a tapering with extracts. If you're taking four a day, uh, you could stick at four a day, but do a half a bottle eight times a day instead of four at even out your use and then you can taper off, go from eight to seven. I like that idea though. It's kind of like, you know, the synonymous with staying ahead of like the pain and, and you know what I mean? Like you're kind of using it frequently throughout the day and you would stay ahead of the withdrawal too. I always, I, I guess my main advice is try tapering first, but if it doesn't work, don't keep trying fail tapers. And then I would switch to cold Turkey and, uh, I know some people swear by cold turkey because that pain that they were in for those four days or a week is so harsh that it helps them 
with their memory to stay off of stuff. You know, I don't know if you necessarily need to go through that pain. And, you know, a taper can definitely reduce that. And now we're on to the interview with Natalie. This is Krista. We're going to get started on the interview portion of the podcast. I've got Natalie with me today. And let's start, Natalie, with you introducing yourself and just tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Hey, uh, my name's Natalie. I am a wife and a mom to five kids. Um, I work as an EMT. I um, just, you know, I love hanging out with the kids. I would prefer to stay home with them if I could, but that's not the world we live in today. <laughs> so and that's pretty much, you know, who I am. So. Okay. So what are the ages of your kids? Like what's the range? Um, I have two 12 year olds, um, a nine year old, a six year old, and then a four year old. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. And how long have yeah. you been an EMT? Well, I was uh, started out doing dispatch. Um, seven years I've worked for the same company, and I've been an EMT for about two years. Okay, that's pretty. Uh, is it exciting? I mean, like a lot of stuff yeah. go on. Or are you in a small town, or like what's the what's the job like where you are? So we're in a small town, so it's a lot of. Uh, we're kind of in a retirement community. So there's some exciting stuff sometimes, but a lot of it's you know. It's, you know, the older, you know, folks that need, you know, help are going, you know, to the yeah, hospital. Like, <laughs> just standard stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's start. Like, what's your um, Kratom abstinence date, Natalie? What, when did you stop? Like, what's your date? Yeah, 135 days. Well, that's amazing. That's good. We can just leave it at that. But I'm guessing like March sometime. Cool. So what was your first exposure to Kratom? Like, how did you get introduced to it? Did you know about it? Like, how did that go? So I actually struggled with um, addiction issues in the past. So when I was uh, deciding to finally get clean and sober for the first time, I was introduced actually in, I was in a women's like facility and we would go to the gas station and buy the Viva Zen drinks. I had no idea there was Kratom in them. I didn't know anything about that. But at first, that's how it started out, was drinking you know, the Viva Zen drinks. And um, I kind of knew that I started knowing that there felt like I felt conviction about it. I even talked to my sponsor mm -hmm. and I said, hey, what do you think about these? And they were kind of newer. Nobody really knew about Kratom. And she's like, well, I mean, unless you really, you know, start getting dependent on them, which I kind of knew that that was happening or I wouldn't have brought it up to her. But, you know. So, so that's kind of how it started was from there. Okay. How long ago was that? That has been over seven years ago now. Okay. So that's been yeah. a while, like 2016. Yes. And yes. what, what's the drink called? I'm not familiar with it. So um, Viva Zen, they actually changed them, but the older ones is, you know, when they first came out. Um, and they're like just little, it's just like, like the OP mess gold and all that. It's, it's mm -hmm. 
a less stronger version of that. It looks like a five hour energy drink is exactly what it looks like. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is so crazy because they have it in the gas stations probably by the five hour energy drink. So you're thinking, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't do. really yeah. realize what you're doing. Yeah. Did I mean, how did, did you feel Kratom from the very first time you tried it? I mean, did you feel the effects of it or did, what did you think about it? Um, so with the Viva Zen drinks, yeah, it was like almost like a, you know, mild opiate effect, but you know, it gave me energy and, um, you know, I felt like I could talk to people and be around people. The same thing that, you know, I was a prior, you know, an opioid user. So it was very similar. And I thought, well, I'm still clean and sober and this is great. Um, cause it started out with the Viva Zen drinks, but eventually I went on to, you know, doing the powder form mainly. So, Okay. And so you said you um, were an opioid user in the past. So you struggled with that before this happened? Yes. Um, yeah. Back in the day uh, when I, I went through school and I was a good kid, straight A student, you know, I did all the things, the activities and I went to college. I didn't really start doing or dabbling with any sort of drugs until I was like 19 or 20. Um, and I was introduced because at first, you know, I got a prescription for them. And then um, at first it was just a way to make money back in the day when people would go to the doctors and do all that. I was around for all that. So um, that was for a long time, you know, years. And then I was um, on a mat treatment. So I was actually on Suboxone. So when I was in treatment, um, I was actually on Suboxone. I was just going to detox for Suboxone to get off Suboxone because I wanted just to be done with everything. Um, and then when I was in treatment with the girls, that was from that. Like, you know, I left my hometown. So I wanted to get away from everything and go and move to um, a different place in Kentucky. It was a couple hours away. So I lived up there and that's where I got introduced to the Viva Zen drinks, which shortly turned into, you know, and um, I was a diehard Kratom advocate. Like this stuff is amazing. Um, there's nothing wrong with it for years and years. Like you couldn't tell me different. So like I can see, you know, people online when you get on Reddit and you try to tell people the effects and the harmful effects, you know, I was the person that, you know, would say, well, you don't know what you're talking about or you're using it wrong. and I don't want to like, you know, completely bash it because for a long time, um, I was still able to work on myself and personal development, you know what I mean? And I think everybody comes to a point where you start feeling convicted, you know, like you, you start working on yourself and becoming a better version of yourself. And you're like, Hey, this is wrong. This is not, you know what? I, <laughs> and then, you know, it, you kind of flip that switch. So, so to say, but. Like how, when would you say it became a problem for you? I mean, was it like, did it build up pretty quickly, Natalie, or did it take like months or what was like the progression of it like? Yeah. So I used Kratom a total of seven to eight years. Um, and I had a couple spouts of sobriety in between there. You know, I was pregnant with my daughter and I was able at that point, I was already trying to quit, you know, when I got pregnant. So I, um, it, you know, right after her, even, you know, I got prescribed pain medicine cause I had a C-section and, um, I started right back up with it. So I really, even then when I quit before I was trying to quit before her, it was more or less because, um, 
I was like getting flack from the, uh, my husband now, but at the time we weren't married, you know, and he's actually a drug rehab counselor. Oh, so, interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we had went to high school together when I was living two hours away in Kentucky. Um, I went through the treatment program. Sorry, I'll go back. So you guys know kind of a little backstory, but when I went through the treatment program and I graduated that and I had my own place and, you know, lived out there and I ordered, um, Kratom online from, you know, the same place every single time. It was just like a monthly bill, you know, um, mm-hmm. every now and again, I would buy like the OPMS extracts, but I tried to stay away from those because I knew, you know, first they're expensive and, you know, I could see like, even if I took them like one to two days in a row, how that could quickly become like an issue. So I tended to just stick with the powder and ordering from online. And then, so to me, it wasn't really an issue because I, you know, it was to me, I thought, well, this isn't hurting anybody. It's not, you know, harming my finances. You know, I can afford it. It's not out of control. So when I moved back to my hometown and I got with my now husband, I immediately tried to quit. Um, And, you know, when I knew that it became a problem was when I started using again, I'd lie about it, you know, hide to go buy it and, you know, do all the things. Cause before that I was single. So it was just, you know, whatever, you know, it it didn't phase anybody. It was just me. Um, And so those behaviors were obviously like a red flag. Mm -hmm. So we battled with that back and forth. um, And eventually through working on like ourselves, both of ourselves, he came to a point where, Um, you know, he had gotten hurt a few times from finding out I was using Kratom again. And so Mm -hmm. he got to the point where he was just like, you know, you'll quit whenever you quit, you know, and um, that's up to you. You know, I'm not going to like fight it anymore. And that was like a really like, you know, eye opening thing. And for years I had good intentions. Like I wanted to quit. Um, After my son, I was like, you know, started up again. And I was like, I, um, after a couple of years of, you know, battling with that, I really felt convicted. I was like, I have to quit. So mm-hmm. I tried everything. Um, so I did the whole, I'm going to make capsules. I'm going to taper. I'm going to do all these things, you know, for forever, you know, and none of, none of that stuff worked. Tapering didn't work. You know, I tried to quit cold Turkey before and that didn't really work. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the backstory. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to, I mean, a lot of what you said, I mean, I think one of the things that kept me going for the amount of time that I did with Kratom was, you know, you, you, you're able to function, I mean, better than like when you, you know, probably were an opiate user, you know what I mean? Or using like other substances. I mean, you can kind of keep, you can function. You're, I mean, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. Did you have long-term sobriety when you were um, using opioids at all? Like, did you ever do any treatment? But I mean, you did treatment back then you said, and, and then you uh, moved. So yeah, just the Suboxone. I was okay. at Suboxone for like four years. So okay. like, it was like a gradual, like progress, like working on myself. Like I was out of like the drug world, you know, doing the Suboxone thing and then feeling convicted. Like, I don't want to be on Suboxone my whole life. You know, I'm coming off of this. Then the same thing with the cream. Oh, this is awesome. Like it's, 
doesn't have any harmful effect. And, you know, I have, I think I have ADHD and it helps with all these things. But of course, eventually mm-hmm. you realize, you know, so the past couple of years, I realized that, um, A, it d- does not help me with anything. It was making things worse. It was making me snappy. It was making me lazy. It, you know, all of these things I had to like sneak off and take it. And it was just, it, you know, an absolute mess, you know, I mean, you know, having to worry about taking it everywhere you go, like sneaking off into a closet, you know, it's just, it's, it's embarrassing, you know, especially, you know, once you, you come to the place where you're like, okay, you're just like shoveling this powder down your, you know, throat all day long. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets to be work, you know, I mean, it's like a lot of maintenance. I mean, you know, I think in that way it is similar to other um, substances. So you, so you got to a point, I mean, you were just kind of realizing it wasn't working or do you think you had to step away from it before you realized like what it was like? Oh no, I knew immediately. So um, once I started, you know, having the like real conviction of quitting, the problem was, is like, I hated myself because I couldn't quit. I would put in my phone, you know, reminders like taper, you know, do this. And I never could stick with it. So here's what happened. I started deciding that the only way I was going to be able to quit is if I started like really working on myself and my health. And I had gained a lot of weight, like 30 pounds. So I started uh, building, you know, habits every single day. So this was like a long process. I didn't just like put it down and quit. That That's mm-hmm. not, it didn't work for me. It wasn't going to work for me. So I started a health journey. Um, and it's not like I jumped right into the gym, but I just started becoming active. Um, and every morning I'd wake up and I'd have like, you know, a tea with, you know, and then I'd make sure to drink like at least a protein shake, like every single morning, you know, that was like my routine and then read the Bible. And I really started getting into reading the Bible. I've always been a Christian and I know not everybody is, uh, you know, a Christian or believes in God and that's okay, but just whatever works for you. You can read a motivational book. You can read self-help books. It's just whatever will work for you. And for me, it was the Bible. And once I started really getting into the word and uh, reading self-help books and, you know, uh, like doing that every single day consistently. Sure, I'd miss days, but like that was my like, you know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do this. And uh, in one of my motivational books, um, they had talked about like, if you really want to like break they broke down like habits and why you start them. And if you really want to like get rid of the habit, you have to like start hating it. And so Mm -hmm. every time I took Kratom, you know, I literally like tell myself, I hate this stuff. I don't want to do this stuff. And I, I now like hate it, you know, like loathe Kratom. And Mm -hmm. so every time I would take it, I would say, well, how am I feeling? Why am I taking this? Why am I doing this? And start really like recognizing like, when I'm taking it, why I'm doing it and, um, you know, start replacing that with other things, you know? So, um, I did this for about like eight months, 25 pounds. I got into the gym. I built muscle. This was while while I was still taking Kratom. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, I wonder if I could go to a doctor and see if she can prescribe me medicine to get through withdrawals. So I did that, but our town's like small and the doctor didn't really want to like prescribe me anything, you know, but she did do a blood workup and like I was low on vitamin D and low on iron. So I was still working out and I, I fixed those things. 
And, um, I, you know, I'd go back to the doctor. She still didn't prescribe me anything. I told her, yeah, well, I've like lowered my dose some. And so I was like, well, that's not going to work. I said, well, cause you know, you always try to find an easier, softer way. Like <laughs> I was like, okay, well maybe I don't want to get on Suboxone again. So maybe I could just go and try, you know, I knew about maltraxin, mm-hmm. um, or not. Yeah. Naltraxone. So I was like, maybe I could go and like, just talk to a doctor about it and see if maybe she can help with the withdrawals and then maybe get on that. And so uh, I don't have like the cravings when I quit. So when I went there, I made an appointment. And when I went there that day, I had no intention of of quitting that day. Like, you know, I took a dose before I went in there at 12 o'clock. Okay. And I go in there and there's just like nice doctor there. And so we're talking and she's like, yeah. And at this time I found out, uh, my husband kind of messed up the insurance thing. So I, I didn't really even have insurance. Um, so it, this was going to be all out of pocket. So um, she's like, yeah, I mean, we can do the naltraxone. I think it'd be great for you. You know, she couldn't prescribe anything for like the withdrawals really. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do you think that maybe I could take Suboxone for like a week to get through the withdrawals? She's like, I don't think that'd be a good idea. I was like, I don't think it'd be a good idea either. She's like, now I do have this new medicine. It's called Lucimera. So, have you heard of Lucimera? Yeah, I, I I mean a little bit. I don't know a whole lot about it. How, yeah, how did so, it help? Did it help? Well, essentially, it's just like clotidine. It's a beta blocker. Okay. It, it's it's so expensive. Like you cannot afford it if you just try to go like buy it from the pharmacy. But she'd give me a sample with like thirty six pills in it. But it uh, lowers your blood pressure. Mm, okay, and I already yeah. have low blood pressure. So, um, it, so I, uh, she's like, I can give you this to try. And I guess like in my head, I was like, oh, you think I should try to quit today? And she's like, sure, if you want, you know, you can try to quit today. She's like, because if you take it, it's not going to make you sick. If you take Kratom, I've taken this. So in my head, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go like half a day. See, you mm-hmm. know, so I walked out of there and I would have never been able to do this before. I don't know. Like, literally, I could not go three hours, you know, for years. So I just left that day and I was just so done with it. You know, I took one of Lucimera's. I mean, uh, I don't think th- I don't think they helped. Um, I was like really sick. I was like, well, if I can just get through today, you know, it'll be it'll be OK. And then um, I took uh for the first couple days I took like one or two of the Lucimeras and then one morning I woke up and I was like I mean I I was sick you know for those days and I woke up I was like maybe I should try to go to the gym and just like stretch I'm not gonna do any like strenuous workouts maybe just walk even though it was like forcing myself to go you know I knew I had to do that and then like I was at the gym and I passed out so I couldn't take that anymore my blood pressure was just Plus I was so sick. My body was just like, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I just went, I just one day turned into two days, turned into three days. Um, I had to go back to work on the fourth day. I ended up getting, you know, like some fluids and stuff. But other than that, um, yeah, I just ended up quitting and surprisingly, yeah, it's, it was amazing. I just kept like holding on, you know, like I'm going to get through this day you know, and then I told my husband and, you know, like after that, it's already like, okay, you know, he's holding out hope. And yeah. yeah. So it was definitely rough. The first 
the first couple weeks was the roughest part. But things that I would do to help would be, you know, if I could give anybody advice, um, it was, I would, I stayed in my car a lot because my car was really warm and I, I get really cold anyways. And when I get cold, I get uncomfortable. And I had like seat warmers, so wow. my back hurt all the time. And my kids were in a lot of sports. I had to take them to sports anyways, you know, so I would just drive around, listen to music sit in my hot car. Like if I got really uncomfortable, I'd go sit in my hot car, you know, or take a hot shower. Yeah. Just sit outside in the sun, you know, and I just, uh, you know, the house got messy. I have kids. Sometimes I fed a McDonald's. I mean, just whatever it took, you know, to get through those first couple of weeks. I just tried not to worry about that because I knew in the end I was going to be a better person, a better mom. You know, I was going to be able to get everything, you know, eventually caught up. And it was, you know, be more effective than being on Kratom for the rest, you know, of eternity. So, yeah. Uh, so it sounds like you, you got really mindful, like when you were taking yes. it, you know, like you weren't just taking it, I mean, as like a habit or not thinking about it, like that yeah, sounds, I had to get. yeah, that's really good. I think, I mean, and, and the part about being done, I think that's where a lot of people have to get to that point where it's like, no matter what, you're just done. You know what I mean? And yeah, you're just done. Yeah. Cause the few times that I tried to quit before, uh, first of all, my mental health wasn't good those times anyways. So anything that would happen, like I didn't, wouldn't be able to deal with it. So I'd deal with it by taking Kratom again. But mm -hmm. also in those times, like I still didn't think of Kratom as a bad thing. So when I quit, mm -hmm. it was like, I wasn't quitting because you know, I saw all the bad that Kratom was doing, you know, but this time it's like, I knew that I would be a better person without Kratom. Like I knew that I didn't need Kratom anymore. You know, I, you know, I literally knew that it's just because of my physical dependency at this point and I can, you know, get through it. So. What do you think got you to that point? Like when, I mean, do you remember like when you realized like, Hey, I, you know, did anything particular happen or was it just a buildup of, I mean, you said you had some behaviors that were kind of like red flags, you know, like, Oh my gosh, this is what I'm doing now. Did it yeah. start? Then or? Yeah. Um, I just like, it was, it was kind of a slow progression, but you know, I thought that, you know, once I went and started like getting checked up at the doctor or, I thought that I had ADHD and maybe I was taking Kratom to like combat that and, you know, all these things. But I think really when I started getting into like the word and the Bible, I learned that, you know, it was just a sin issue and um, I can deal with all these things in other ways, even if I do mm -hmm. have ADHD, you know, and even if I do, you know, have these things, it was just making it worse, you know, um, and I was just like, once I started getting healthier, it was affecting, I knew it was affecting my health. You know, my teeth have gotten bad because of it. Um, it was just, I knew it was running down my body. I mean, there's no way that that could be healthy. I mean, I was taking really high amounts, you know, every single mm -hmm. day for years, you know, and it dehydrates you. And so I just knew that if I did not, and then, you know, when you're on the site with all these people and you see everybody's stories, I mean, it gets kind of scary because, you know, people are having seizures and mm -hmm. it's like, you know, when am I going to be that person? Because 
I don't want to say I never took extracts. I went all the time and got OPMS and, you know, did stuff like that, you know, and sometimes I would take them for a week at a time, you know, and so that's, that stuff wasn't good, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it definitely catches up. I mean, there's no doubt, I think. So, I mean, it sounds like you were doing a lot of things. I think that's amazing. I mean, you were doing like the exercise. It sounds like you had made some lifestyle changes as far as like, you know, diet and eating went. Yes. You know, you were incorporating like Bible study and those, you know, that kind of support into your life. Um, You know, you were using mindfulness. I mean, you really did a lot of like really good things. Is, Is there anything else you would you know, suggest to anybody like try this or is there anything else that worked for you that you feel like you haven't mentioned or? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I talked to somebody like my husband knew that, um, you know, it's not my husband's fault because he, had, you know, he's a godsend and he had dealt with a lot anyways for me, like saying I was going to quit and not, but, um, but ultimately it was up to me. Like nobody, Nobody was going to come in and save me. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. if you want different, you have to do different. And it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be blunt like that with yourself and get really honest. But, you know, I think we had some hard conversations with him and he was like, well, if you wanted to quit, you quit, you know? And sometimes when people hear that as addicts, especially are like, well, I can't quit. You know, it's like, if you wanted Mm -hmm. to quit, you quit. You know what I mean? You would start working towards that. And right. so I made that promise, like I'm doing these things, I'm going to start getting healthier and I'm going to work towards quitting. And another big thing for me, which I know is not like this isn't going to be for like everybody, but, um, you know, I did want to go on a mission trip, you know, with my church, but I never could because I was on Kratom, you know. And so the Mexico trip was always like, wow, I, I'm I'm going to sign up for it, but I don't think I'm actually going to go like and my husband's like, well if you, you know, quit Kratom, you know, you could go, you know? Mm. And so I didn't quit Kratom for that. Um, cause I quit months before we went, but that was also like, Hey, if I can get here, you know what I mean? Like if I can get yeah. to that point and I'm in Mexico and I'm sober, like what a miracle that would be, you know? And I just remember reflecting when I was in Mexico, you know? So it was like surreal yeah. that I finally gotten away from, you know, those chains that holds you for so long. I mean, Kratom really like just, you know, like held me for so long. It was, you know, it's a big part of my life. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven or eight years. I mean, that's a long time, you know? Yeah. Um, now tell us a little bit about Mexico. How long ago did you go to Mexico? Um, so it's been about, about a month and a half that I went to Mexico maybe a little less. Um, yeah. And it was amazing. We went up there and there's a ministry up there. We uh, sponsored a family um, who's never had, you know, their own home um, mm-hmm. in Mexico is like really impoverished. Obviously, you know, there's parts that uh, a lot of times the families can only afford like a piece of land. And then from there, they just like build their house with whatever they can find you know, until they mm-hmm. can slowly add on to it. Mm-hmm. But this family never had a house of their own. And um, we went there and they had already got the land. So we sponsored the house and everything. And we built them a home in a week. And the lady said, she said that God promised her 
for a gift that she'd eventually get a house, you know, and she had moved her family that part of Mexico uh, when her husband was struggling with alcohol. And she really, you know, got into the Bible and got to church and he became sober. And then when we built her house, it was on her birthday that she got gifted this house, which was God's promise, you know, that he was, so it was really amazing to see. And they were just, you know, it kind of humbles you, you know, um, especially like, you're like, gosh, these people have, you know, we have these, (laughs) these problems over here, which, you know, everybody's problems is their problems, but, you know, it makes you feel bad that you're, you know. Yeah. You know, it probably gives you a way different perspective, you know, to see what some people are struggling with. I mean, I agree with you, like, you know, you're a person's problems, you're experiencing those problems and they're your own, but, you know, going to another place and, and, and seeing, you know, what other people are experiencing. Um, that must've been amazing. I mean, service work is a, is a huge component of, you know, recovery oh, programs. Yes. And I mean, it sounds like what you're into, you know, so yeah. that was really rewarding for you. It was really rewarding. And we're um, hoping to, me and my husband's goal is to eventually open up some sober living homes. So like I said, he's worked in recovery this like 10 years now that he's been a counselor. He's really good at what he does. Now, does he work at a treatment center or is he an outpatient counselor? Or um, He works in a treatment center. Nice. That's so interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was like a, a, a definitely a, a an issue for a little bit with you guys until, I mean, he just kind of let go and let you walk it out and find your own way. Right. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, it's legal. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, like I'm right. still, and, and you do feel like, like, I felt like I was still growing and working on myself and, you know, mm-hmm. all these things, but then, you know, you get to a point where you realize that it's, you know, like in order to grow more, you have to, you know. Yeah. You you kind of yeah. have to clear yourself. You know what I mean? To like really be able, I, I really believe that in order to be able to receive, you have to like remove all the things that could be blocking you. And for me, Kratom was yes. something that was definitely blocking me, you know, like for the, sure. the sense of clarity I have now is I mean, it's just so I didn't realize, I don't think how numb and how checked out I was until I got a little away from it, you know, and it took a little bit. I mean, because the first, you know, month or two is a little rough, but, you know, then your benefits kind of kick in and you start feeling better and you're, you know, you don't have to, like you said, sneak around, figure out how am I going to do this? Where am I going to take it? How's this going to happen? And yeah, yeah. I get teary eyed thinking about it because it's like you start like, you know, truly laughing, you know. You know, I get grateful all the time. Like I'll just like just be laughing, you know, and think like, you know, I didn't laugh like that before, you know. It was just like almost like I was fake laughing, you know, when I would, you know, laugh like I know this is funny, but I can't I can't laugh, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so the last couple months I've really like started like laughing and like getting this like because I've always been like a hyper positive person you know and so that's starting to like really like come back to the surface you know and I know it's going to take a lot of time and 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's amazing but, though. I mean, that gives hope for people. It's not like you have to have a year off of this or two years or, yes. you know, I mean, you've got 135 days and I mean, look at where you're at. I mean, you went to Mexico and built a house and did some amazing, you know, yes. mission work. And I mean, you're still exercising, eating healthy, doing those kind of things. Yes. And yeah, I think that is, I want to like say this. You know, it's not about like losing weight at all. It's about what you put in your body is what your body's going to give to you. And you are not, you know, it is so much harder to quit something like that when you're feeding your body full of like junk, you know, it is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's like, I think I came to that realization, like in the field that I work in, you know, I see so many sick people at such a young age and a lot of it's like what they've just done to their bodies, you know? And so I know that's not like me going on this rant, but, you know, try that, you know, try eating a little cleaner, even if it's just like cutting out pop or, you know, slowly, like I didn't do it overnight. You know, this has been like, it was a long, you know, you know, process to where I was like, okay, I'm going to try to cut out pop. I'm going to, you know, just start eating cleaner, you know? So, yeah. That's the way to do it too. You know, I I know sometimes I struggle with like kind of all or nothing, you know, so it's like taking some of those action steps, but, you know, maybe doing this and knocking out that and doing it a little slowly is probably a a more manageable way. So you don't set yourself up to take on too much and then stop, you know, getting the doctor, like going to a doctor and seeing what you're deficient on because Kratom obviously like just depletes your body. My iron was Mm -hmm. so low that I needed like blood transfusions, you know, and I didn't, couldn't afford that, but I um, got some supplements off Amazon, iron pills that were like uh, gentle on my stomach and took those for like two months to get it back. But you know, that alone, like no wonder I was taking so much grandma, probably had no energy. You know, my iron was so low. I was waking up like every hour on the night and I didn't realize that was calls from the iron, you know. Mm-hmm. So just so many things, you know, obviously vitamin D that does a lot to you too. So like starting to work to get your body back in order before you just quit is going to make it a lot easier if you know, like you're working towards something like, okay, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. I I mean, the, the idea of getting the lab work, going to see a doctor, I think whenever, I mean, I, I think that's always like a really important part of, of recovery, especially like early on recovery and figuring out like, you know, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to go to the gym. Like you said, you can just go for a walk every day, you know, and at first it was like, I didn't have time. And so I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to move for five minutes you know, five, at least five minutes a day, you know, I'm going to go for a walk for five minutes. And if it turned into longer, it turned into longer, but I committed to five minutes. And sometimes it was just five minutes, you know, and, you know, I tried to do that every single day. Maybe I missed a few days, but the majority of the time, you know, that's how it started. And now, you know, I'm at the gym, you know, that's a non-negotiable, you know, because uh, it helps, you know, with so many things, it helps with my anxiety and all that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I work as a mental health counselor. And I mean, the the benefits of exercise, um, like you said, I mean, just, you know, taking a walk, I mean, 
committing to five minutes. I love that. That's completely manageable. Anybody yeah. can do that, you know, um, and that's a great way to start. I, I'm a firm believer in like action for everything. You know, it's like uh, if I'm sitting, I'm laying down, like thing, I'm, I'm not going to get better. I've got to get up. I've got to do something. I've got, you know what I mean? I've got to take action steps to make progress and keep moving forward. What's your go-to music when you're, you know, having a bad day? What what do you like to listen to? So I love all kinds of music. Right now I've been listening to a lot of uh, Noah Kahn, which, you know, if you look him up, he's amazing. I love him. But I listen to all kinds of stuff. My favorite band is the Pixies and Modest Mouse. I love Dinosaur Jr., Built to Spill. I can listen to, you know, really anything 90s. You know, I love the old. When I first quit, (laughs) I would uh, sit there and watch um, in my car and listen. It was awful. I would like go back through all the, if you go back and listen to these nineties alternative songs, like Candlebox, stuff like that, and go read the YouTube comments. I mean, I would just cry and cry and cry. It was just like so, so sad because, you know, people would be talking about like their memories with these songs and their family dying and they made like a mixed, I mean, just all this stuff. And so it was almost yeah. like therapeutic. Like at first, you know, in the beginning, the, you know, I did yeah. that for hours a day. So. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love the Pixies. Yeah. Good call on that one. Oh, yeah. I love the Pixies. <laughs> it's hard to believe that that music is like 30, 35 years old. I mean, oh, my God, oh, that makes me feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, that's kind of scary to think uh, how how long ago that was. I hear some of that music and I'm like, it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it was that long ago. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I actually saw the Pixies because uh, they had broke up. So I never thought that I would see them. But when I was younger, years ago, they did like a reunion tour. Um, oh, and yeah. yeah, this was before, you know, I, I was like young, young. Um, yeah. I had a like another person that I just ran into that just happened to love the Pixies. And he was like, months later got a hold of me he's like they, they're doing a reunion tour in chicago i'll drive i was like let's go and, and we <laughs> saw uh, <laughs> we saw him do the whole album of Doolittle live which is my favorite oh, right album. On. Yeah, yeah absolutely so, yeah that was awesome oh that's so cool any advice for somebody you know i mean they're everybody out there who's trying to quit this or thinking about you know going to quit it i mean is there anything you've got to offer besides I mean everything you've offered already has been so good so yeah um yeah so I know I've talked to like a lot of positive and that like it seemed like uh, you know like I did all these things and then quit but I do want to say like you know I still have struggles I still have issues you know and we you know building up tools to help like deal with those things instead of turning to you know kratom so the big thing is like know that it's gonna be hard and it's not going to feel good. And that if you just embrace that and try to, you know, use that as like a tool to like push you forward, like you're going to get through this and it's going to get better. And when I quit, you know, like I think for like, there was like a few weeks I'd never been more stressed out in my entire life. It's like, I thought everything get better. And that's, that's not how it works. It's not reality. 
So I just want to remind everybody of that. And like, um, you know, I struggled like with like dealing with like, God, all this anxiety. Cause I mean, it probably was worse. Cause I was just newly like 60 days sober, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I just remember like having the worst anxiety about everything, like little stuff that would never bother me before, you know, just like being so mm-hmm. stressed and anxious and like, so that's where like a lot of, um, when I say like, just spend five minutes taking a walk, like that stuff that, that that's a tool that can help, you know, like, be able to like release, like your body is like releasing those things, you know, and it's helping you, you know, but yeah. So that's all. I just want to remind everybody, like, it's, it's not easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park and just go in knowing that you're ready to like get through this. And, you know, even the hardest days, even the anxiety and stress. And even when I felt like, God, it is so hard, it was still better, you know, a million times better than taking, (laughs) you know, the yeah. green sludge every single day. So. Absolutely. I think that's a great point too, because I, I know for me, like Kratom was the way I was coping. So it was like yes. when I, when I took that away, my ability to cope was gone. And it was like, you know, there's that void kind of area between before I got, um, you know, like settled in, in recovery or whatever, you know, a person decides to do until you get in that new routine that reinforces your sobriety or abstinence from Kratom. It's like that void part. I'm not using Kratom to cope anymore, but I've got all these emotions that are coming out and I'm not quite where I'm, I'm going to end up yet. So it it can, it's like a little worse before it gets better, but it definitely gets better. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing everybody like, um, that would quit, you know, on the sites and, you know, it's, I know it's like hard, like here, but like, literally if I can do it, you can do it, you know, and it's, um, you know, it, I feel like it took just a little more work. You know, I wasn't one of those people that could just, you know, like, okay, I'm going to quit this day and quit. You know, I literally had to work on myself for like an entire year before I was like prepared Mm -hmm. to, you know, quit. So. I just want to say, like, even if you haven't quit yet, like start working on yourself. Like mm-hmm. you can just because you haven't quit Kratom doesn't make you a bad person. You know, you can start working on yourself and, you know, eventually, you know, come to the point where, you know, you're done with it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of hope in that. A lot of hope in what you said today. Yeah. You know, that's a great thing. Um, anything you want to add before we wrap things up? I'm rooting for everybody and I hope that, you know, everybody can get free if you're struggling with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this was great. I mean, you know, and I know you definitely helped some people out there. And so, I, you know, definitely feel good about this. I appreciate you sharing your experience, strength and hope with us today. And that's all I've got. So I guess we'll, we'll call it a day. Natalie, it was great talking to you and hearing everything and good luck. Thank you guys for doing this and bringing awareness. So. This week I've got a couple of articles to talk to you about. Um, The first is an online article out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and the KUTV network. 
This article tells the story of a mother, Diane Scott, whose 34-year-old son, Jason Scott, began taking Kratom in late 2020. In February of 2021, he reportedly had a seizure during a work conference call. He was checked out okay by paramedics during the day, but that same night he was over at his parents' house, got in their hot tub, was found later by a family member with his face down in the water, and could not be revived. The article goes on to say his death certificate says the official cause of death was drowning, but it also found enough kratom in his system to cause intoxication. So that means what they're suspicious that the kratom combined with the heat of the hot tub caused another seizure. He passed out and he drowned. The article goes on to say that according to the Utah Department of Health and Human Services, Kratom was involved in 87 fatal overdoses between 2018 and 2021. The medical examiner's office confirmed that that means Kratom appeared on the person's death certificate, indicating it contributed to their death. So that's the first article. Um, And the second, now this comes from an online-only peer-reviewed medical journal entitled Curious. This article is from 2020, and it's a case of kratom-induced seizures. So the article presents a case of a kratom-induced seizure in a 27-year-old male. Now, the male had a history of anxiety, ADHD, opioid use disorder, and benzodiazepine use disorder. Now, benzodiazepines are anti-anxiety medications like your Xanax, Klonopin, and Ativan. The 27-year-old was hospitalized. No significant metabolic abnormality was found in his laboratory testing. His spinal cord and brain imaging were unremarkable. Upon evaluation, he reported racing thoughts, significant anxiety, and insomnia. He then admitted to drinking three to four eight-milliliter bottles of Kratom daily for one and a half years to self-medicate his anxiety after losing his health insurance. There were a few additional points made in the article that I thought were interesting. The first, they say Kratom use is on the rise in the U.S., as we all clearly know, and there is evidence of its potential to cause opioid-type dependence when used chronically. The second was, apart from its abuse potential, Kratom use is also associated with serious medical consequences, including liver injury, respiratory depression, seizures, adverse cardiovascular effects, and other neuropsychiatric complications. So this case report suggests that awareness be increased in the medical community on the risk of these conditions, particularly seizures with chronic use of Kratom. And the last point they make is that Kratom's relative unknown safety profile, so we don't know a lot about how safe it is, and its easy availability make it necessary that we provide further research be conducted to provide additional insight into the appropriate measures that need to be taken regarding regulatory control. So a couple of good articles there on Kratom and seizures got some good information there.
Thank you, Krista. That was Kratom in the headlines. And now I'm going to do a real short resource of the week. Last week, Andrew Humerman did a Ask Me Anything on YouTube about Kratom. It was sort of a lightning rod. He came out really strongly with a warning about Kratom. His analysis included that for all essential purposes, Kratom acts like an opioid. You know, it interacts with the same receptors. He also suggested that it was can be highly addictive for some people. He made the argument that just saying that Kratom is safer than other substances isn't necessarily a legitimate argument for its safety because it has its own risk factors on its own. And he said that it can be especially dangerous if combined with opioids and alcohol. Clip here that I'll play from it. It could be a trap in the sense that people who have never taken other opioids can become addicted to Kratom itself. That is absolutely clear. That can happen. It has happened in a great number of people. It's also clear that Kratom can potentially be a trap, as I said, potentially, because if people are trying to come off other more potent forms of opioids and then they use Kratom to do that, well, then they're just using a different form of morphine and hydrocodone. But the potency is about one-sixth of hydrocodone. So my advice would be, if you haven't touched Kratom, don't touch it at all, ever. So again, like Dr. Drew a couple months ago, my viewpoint of Kratom isn't as strident as that. I do know some people that use it for pain relief or at low doses as a medicine, and they're not addicted to it. But I am of the belief that it is not a harmless substance, and I think the industry should not market it as non-addictive. And I think there should be more alarm about the risks that people face taking Kratom, and that I think people with a history of substance abuse are especially vulnerable to Kratom. So I'm, I'm happy to see an authority speak clearly and loudly uh, about some of the problems that can come from Kratom. So I'll put the whole about 11 minute YouTube video in the show notes and you can check it out yourself. And that's it for this week. If you want to get in touch, the best way is to e email us at kratomsobriety at gmail.com. We're on all the social media channels. And until next week, keep it Kratom free.